California's future is at risk. We face a shortage of three and a half million homes, and more than half of Californians are considering leaving our state due to the high cost of housing. If we fail to act now, our kids won't be able to afford to call California home. That's why, as realtors, we're proud to champion legislation that increases the supply of housing. Join us. Go to housingforcalifornia.com to tell lawmakers. Let's get serious on supply. You're listening to the Andres Segovia Show. This is the Andres Segovia Show, and I am your host, Andres Segovia. In this episode, I have a spicy topic to talk about. It's in the news, it's all across the country, and in some cases around the world. But this one is the one that hits hardest home for me because I'm talking about California and more specifically Los Angeles. But before I get into that topic, I need to tell those of you, my colleagues in real estate, about an event that's coming up here in November, which is just a couple of weeks away in terms of the when this date is scheduled. And I am talking about the Mark 1 Wealth Academy workshop. What is the Mark 1 Wealth Academy? Well, it's a path to wealth that is tailored to consumers on how to be able to utilize and leverage real estate so they can get out of debt and ultimately build a road to wealth and retirement, which is an excellent program for consumers to utilize because it provides a financial plan for their future regardless of when they start, whether they're 20, 50, or 70, there's something you can do depending on where you are in life and real estate. Now, this workshop is for those of us in real estate because there's those of us that say, we just really hard to get clients. We're spending so much money on marketing to try to get clients. But my goodness, if you're one of 30,000 plus here in Orange County alone, imagine Los Angeles was even bigger. How do you stand out above the crowd? See, it's some agents believe that it is really difficult to capture new clients. So at this event, you will learn why this is not true and how this program creates clients for and with agents at an incredible rate. And I don't mean money. I'm talking about a percentage growth in clientele. So at this event, you will discover, well, this workshop, you'll discover how to capture the attention of consumers and create value in seconds, and also to construct free live consumer events and the strategic four steps sales system. I'm going to leave a link to register for this Mark 1 workshop at the show notes, on the show notes at my website, www.theandrosegovia.com. You're going to want to set aside a time between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on November 6, 2019. It's going to be at 2610 East Catella Avenue in Anaheim, the J.T. Smiths. And the special event speaker is going to be none other than Mark himself, Mark Prather. He's the author of Why the Rich Stay Rich and the Poor Stay Poor. He's the founder of Mark 1 Mortgage and Mark 1 Wealth Academy and obviously Mark 1 Real Estate. But that should <laughs> I shouldn't have to mention that, right? So I invite you to come over to check this out for those of you that are professionals that feel like you hit a wall in your clientele or a stagnation in your business and you want to see how you can add growth and opportunity and also be able to bring more value to your clients. That's the most most important part that I preach here on the show, bringing value to our clients because the only way we can ever stand out among the ocean of agents that are out there. So you can find the links on the show notes at www.theandrosegovia.com. 
And now we proceed to the doozy. I'm sure you read the episode title on this one, so you have an idea what to expect. But the reason I I want to uh, forewarn you is because uh, it's going to seem controversial. And for those of you that uh, are not entirely aware, if you don't follow me on YouTube, then you're probably not familiar with the fact that I've been voicing my concern over the outright censorship that I've been getting. Because I've been censored on Twitter by people that have a dissenting opinion from I do or a differing opinion than I do. Um, and also I've been restricted or in some cases demonetized on certain videos for my content on YouTube. So YouTube's been also demonetizing me in some episodes of what I talk about. And the most ironic part is I'm not talking about politics, folks. I'm just talking real estate, real estate news. I'm covering things and I just chime in with commentary. I'm very rarely given opinion on certain subjects. This is not one of those episodes. This is going to be my most heavily opinionated one that's going to come out so far because of the battle that's been going on in the state ever since the state rammed down our throats AB 1482, which is a statewide rent cap applied to everything here in California except single-family homes and condos. And the reason that's very that's a very big deal is because as I mentioned in previous episodes, and as I covered it earlier as well, Proposition 10 was voted down by the electorate 60-40. So the majority of, of Californians voted against rent control. Not 12 months later, the state is ramming it down our throats and calling it a victory for the little guy. And because of what they did, they left very little options for how landlords can prepare for the impending rent cap law that takes into effect January 1st, 2020. And as I mentioned, as soon as the the rules, well, as soon as we got word that this thing was being signed and it was going to be official, that I predicted mass evictions, to which I was correct. So the mass evictions were happening, and I gave a PSA about LA establishing a moratorium uh, to stop well, not to stop, but they will not allow the 30 to 60 day uh, notices of eviction to be enforceable. In other words, the landlords are taking the legal channels to do what they legally can so they can do what is in their right to get the proper market rate rents before the rent cap is applied. So then the rent cap is applied to the true market rate instead of depressed rental rates that are unrealistic and are from 20 years ago. But because LA disagrees with that, says, we don't care that you're taking the legal channels, we won't let you enforce it. And I think what sums up my my gripes with all this the most is a column that came out in the Los Angeles Times yesterday uh, by columnist, what's your name again? You're supposed to be someone famous, Steve Lopez. Steve Lopez wrote this column. I think it's a pretty good column um, on, on its face. But I'll also explain to you my issues with it. Because as someone that has battled in the political arena of ideas for almost 20 years, I know how this game is played. And LA Times, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves, is one of the most guilty newspapers pretending to be unbiased reporting. But every now and then they do an excellent article. This, however is a column by Steve Lopez that came out October 23rd. And 
as tends to be a prerogative to try to give uh, an emotional connection or elicit an emotional uh, attachment to them, they try to humanize somebody while vilifying that the what is perceived as the perpetrator by leaving them uh, faceless and like some shadowy organization that's out to get you. And that's exactly my issue with this article. But I wanna, I wanna start going over this with you and I'll pause every now and then to give some commentary about my issues with it um, because I'll explain to you. But for the most part, it's explaining a true event that is happening to tenants here in California, which is really true. But most specifically, we're talking about what's going on in Los Angeles. So we're talking about, uh, the article begins, Diana Castellanos and her husband have three daughters, a two-bedroom apartment in South Los Angeles, and two full-time jobs. But the recent notice of looming rent increase from $14.95 to $23.50 a month left them in a panic. Obviously, man, that's about $1,000 an increase. It's already tight, said Castellanos, a city employee who works as a parking attendant while her husband is assistant manager of a Hollywood theater. Gas costs more. Food costs more. Clothes cost more. The rent hike was as good as an eviction since they couldn't afford it. So the family began searching for another place to live. But that was a discouraging adventure here in the land of high rents and flat wages. Now, let me highlight a certain thing that was mentioned here. This apartment is a two-bedroom apartment. They have three daughters. So it's a family of five. That's what I infer from this. And a jump from $1,500, basically, rounding up here, to $2,350 a month. That's like $700, $850 uh, a difference. Yeah, that, that is a big deal. It'll eat in. And they're, make, they're trying to make ends meet, uh, one of them being a government worker and the other one working uh, as an assistant manager at a Hollywood theater. Um, and they live uh, in South Los Angeles. South Los Angeles isn't known for being a pristine area, but that's how expensive rents are. So I give him that. But there's something that, that Castellanos mentioned here. She said, gas costs more, food costs more, Clothes cost more. This, to me, is foreshadowing for what I'm going to tell you why. Because look, everybody's complaining about the rents. And she brings up a good point about gas and food and clothing. What do these three things, including an increase in rental rates, have in common? Stay tuned. I'll let you know. Proceeding on. We went to Alhambra, Burbank, Van Nuys. Uh, Castellano said, and the cheapest two-bedroom that might work for them was priced around $1,900 a month. They decided to fight instead of move, which took Castellanos to Los Angeles City Hall on Tuesday morning to join other renters in protesting a spat of recent rent increases and eviction notices. She went home happier than when she arrived. The city council voted unanimously to slap an emergency moratorium on evictions, and Mayor Eric Garcetti signed the ordinance, which was proposed by Councilman Mitch O'Farrell. Make notes of people that you're going to vote against people. Okay. In L.A., residents of buildings constructed before October 1978 enjoy protections against unfair evictions and big rent increases. But those who live in newer buildings have very little security. <laughs> a new state law that kicks in on January 1 will cap rent increases at 5% per year plus cost of inflation and give many renters more protection. And once the state law goes into effect, it will also roll back recent rent increases in excess of the cap, like the one Castellanos was slapped with. But some local landlords 
landlords appeared eager to get rid of tenants, either by evicting them or raising rents sharply in hopes of ousting them before the law takes effect, which prompted Tuesday's action by city, by, by city hall. Housing advocates told me they had seen a spat of eviction notices and rent increases and tenants flocking to them for help. Greed always finds a way to get around the law. Elena Pop, director of Eviction Defense Network, said at Tuesday's rally at the south steps of City Hall. I mentioned what Castellanos mentioned. Higher gas prices, higher food prices, higher clothes prices. I'm assuming clothing because it comes from out of the country because of the tariffs. That's a government thing. So it's the government's fault. Gas prices. There's a ton of gas taxes and we live in the most environmentally restricting state that continues to push a green agenda that makes everything more expensive. Therefore, more regulations led to higher gas prices, the highest in the nation, almost twice as high as Texas. And food, heavily regulated. You can't grow your own food, so you're forced to get it from someone else, and those farmers or agriculture areas have to comply with so many different environmental agencies for reasons. Regulations force food to go up. So here, we are demonizing those landlords because greed always finds a way to get around the law. No. Government regulations skyrocketed rent rates. Los Angeles, Santa Monica, San Francisco. Two of the three are mentioned in this article. And two of those three, well, all three of them actually, have had rent control for decades. And they have, including Los Angeles, perhaps the most, the strictest of rent controls in the country. And they also are home to the highest rental rates in the country and the highest rates of homelessness. The whole intent of rent control, the rent stabilization ordinance, was to prevent homelessness and to prevent rental rates from going out of control. So how is it that this thing has backfired so spectacularly that it actually contributed to the opposite. And now they're trying to blanket the entire state with rent control. Suddenly they're shocked that rents are actually going up or because greed is finding a way to get around the law. I have more thoughts to share, but I got to continue with this article because the rest of the thoughts will come in here in a moment. To make it seem like this article is a balanced report, Steve Lopez reached out to landlord attorney Dennis Block. Dennis Block, a Block and Associates, uh, is um, prides himself in saying that he's uh, evicted so many uh, tenants. So when he speaks, I listen, and many people say because he's very uh, vocal on that um, he comes across as too strong of a character, and that's why I don't take him seriously. For those of you who are not familiar with Dennis Block, you may not like him. For those of you that uh, that could use his services, you might want to pay attention here. So the article continues. As my colleague Andrew Corey, I think his name is, reported, landlord attorney Dennis Block boasted to 200 apartment owners at a trade show two weeks ago that he had evicted more tenants than anybody else on the planet Earth, a line he's used in the past. Block, whose website is evict123.com, drew laughs for the audience of Pasadena. Corey reported, in Block's presentation, he ripped the new rent control legislation and encouraged landlords to quickly deliver no-fault eviction notices to those paying low rent. I gotta give Block credit. He believes what he says. He stands his ground. 
and you can stick it in your car if you don't like it. This sounds like just very mocking credit from you, Steve Lopez. Well, Steve continues. I left him a message on Tuesday saying I'd like to talk about his remarks two weeks ago, and he called me right back. I asked if he took pride in saying he was the king of evictions, despite the well-documented struggles of working folks, and here's his response. I take pride in the free economy and in property rights, which is what the basis of this country was built on. I think this country might have built on more than that, but Bloch knows who butters his bread, and he's a free market guy. There's only one segment of society where we're putting restraints on services or goods and it's landlords blocks it and it boggles my mind. Well, that's just not true. We regulate the cost of utilities. We set a minimum wage that employers have to pay and we put limits of one sort or another on a host of other industries. Pause, 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 pause. You see, the only credit I give to Steve Lopez here is that he's letting... He's letting Dennis have his say, or at least that's what we believe is the say, because the only one that truly knows, or the only ones that truly know, are Steve and Dennis. But since Dennis retweeted this article, I have to believe that this these are the responses that Dennis had. But because this is Steve's column, Steve is able to break up that response and make Dennis Block's argument seem silly or not strong enough. The part where Steve mentions that Block knows who butters his brain, he's a, he's a market guy. Let's get to the other part. Um, we regulate the cost of utilities, we set a minimum wage that employers have to pay, and we put limits of one sort or another on a host of other industries. Who is we? And what is Steve's political affiliation? The minimum wage that employers have to pay. So the people through unions are forcing what companies can do. And then employees get pissed if a company that can't afford to pay benefits don't have benefits. So instead of going to another job that has that offers those benefits, they go to complain to some other group to force this company through legislation or regulation to pay benefits. And that's exactly what's going to happen in California for even the smallest of businesses starting January 1st. Those details are incoming, and I'll share them later. The point is, Steve, based on this that he's putting uh, uh, to his column, loves the fact that you can control your things. That government can control what is yours. In the name of so-called fairness. That's what I'm getting at. Let me proceed with the article. But Block has his lines pat down. There's no such thing as rent gouging, he said. It doesn't exist. No one is going to pay more for an apartment than what it's actually worth. And what makes prices rise like helium-filled balloons? Number one, rent control, Block said. I wasn't quite buying that, but Block plowed on, citing a maze of codes and restrictions that drive up prices. Okay, there's some truth to that, but Block wasn't done. You see how how Steve just kind of knocks that argument away? All you have to do is look at the freaking existing rent control experiments that have been around for the longest time. And he says, oh, I don't buy that. And then he says, oh, okay, but there's some truth to it. Um, Nice one that you did not put in which codes and restrictions Dennis was talking about 
Because that doesn't look good for your article, does it? Because now it's blaming the same government that you are praising for supposedly helping the smaller people. But it's the result of that government intervention that has made the plight more difficult for the smaller people. Now, this is where, there, this is where it gets contentious between Steve and Dennis. And I, I agree a little bit on both sides. The article continues. Helping renters, Dennis insisted, amounts to tenant welfare. Is it welfare or is it a concession to America's great divide? Prosperity drives poverty here. People flock to high-paying jobs. Real estate prices rise faster than wages for the vast majority of people. The middle class shrinks and the bottom falls out. Stop right there. Is it a concession to California's great divide? Prosperity drives poverty poverty here in other words you get rich and the poor get poor that's how it works no look at California and what it has done with its welfare system how long ago did we have the latest statistics that showed that one in two Americans worked voluntarily because others were taking a welfare check when you create a culture of dependency like this state has done People have no reason to get out of their comfort zones. So when certain benefits or perceived benefits are taken from them, they got nothing else to do but complain. Meanwhile, those whom these programs were meant to help cannot get access to this help. But it's the rich people's fault, not the abusers of the system. Let's proceed. If someone who teaches school in Santa Monica has to go all the way to San Bernardino to find affordable housing, don't we have to figure out better answers? Before I chime in, the article continues. I think the market will always work it out, Block said. I have no doubt. I wish I was that confident. When nearly one in three Californians spend more they spend half or more of their income on housing and utilities. Thousands commute long distances at a huge cost to themselves and the environment. And 60,000 people in Los Angeles County are homeless. The market isn't working things out. Pause it right there. This is where he makes a good point. One in three Californians spend half or more of their income on housing and utilities. Thousands commute long distances at a huge cost to themselves and the environment. I'm part of that statistic. And 60,000 people in L.A. County are homeless. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, it's not because of the expensive housing. That's what you're trying to blame it on. Go to the streets yourself, Steve. You've been doing the research. You, you wrote the, the novel Soloist that was made into a movie that nobody watched starring uh, Jamie Foxx and Robert Downey Jr. But let's get to the heart of it. There are people stuck in traffic. And how does the our grateful... Um, all-knowing, all-powerful government try to fix this by removing lanes off streets and freeways. Let's start with the streets. They want to remove or they already remove a lane from either Wilshire or Santa Monica Boulevard or both and put in a freaking bicycle lane. Have you been down those streets in downtown Los Angeles? Los Angeles says we need to, we need to reserve a third of the parking in Los Angeles downtown area for electric vehicles. Huh? That many people are buying Teslas? Look what San Francisco did. 
they tax the hell out of everybody trying to come into the city. So most people try to either take a taxi or an Uber. It's like, I'm not going to bring my car over there. Man, it's going gonna, gonna to cost me a fortune just to park my car for a few hours. They're trying to force you to take mass transit. But mass transit doesn't go all the way out to where you live. Let's get done with this article. It's going to take forever to, to, to end this episode. Um, housing at the high end is getting built, but there's no trickle-down benefit for those in the middle class and beyond, said UCLA Professor Scott Cummings. A professor of what? Uh, Cummings led a research team that studied the housing crisis and published a report in June called Priced Out, Pushed Out, Locked Out. The team found that although some rent stabilization exists, hundreds of thousands of L.A. County residents have no protections against huge rent increases. Half a million evictions have been filed in L.A. County since 2010, they found, and our percentage of rent-burdened residents is among the highest in the nation. Okay, um, that's interesting. Uh, and he's right. At the time that this article was written, so the team found that although some rent stabilization exists, hundreds of thousands of LA County residents have found no protections against huge rent increases. Yeah, that changed last year when rent stabilization ordinance was installed after there was a rent freeze by the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors. So that no longer applies. That thing is out the window. There, there are rent protect, uh, uh, tenant protections now. Okay, Cummings says he supports the new state law limits on rent increases in evictions and thinks they're properly balanced. Property owners will still be able to get reasonable returns on their investment. Really? But they'll be doing so in ways that are conscientious of the needs of tenants to live and with some security and stability over time. Okay, so stop right there, stop right there. What is a reasonable return on investment in the first place, according to this guy? Is it a 1% return on investment? 2% return on investment? Because progressive professors strongly believe that... The earnings of people that make a, above a certain amount should be taxed at 70% of their income. So what is a reasonable return on investment? I think that's pathetic. L- let's proceed. Um, and we we got to finish this article or else I'm not going to finish. Steve Lopez continues. Rent stabilization isn't a perfect answer. Correct. It's never been a right answer. It's hurt. It's harmed more than it's benefited. As I said before, Steve continues, it can backfire if it discourages, if it does. As I've said before, it can backfire if it discourages new construction. And in a building where next-door neighbors making $38,000 a year and $500,000 a year respectively both benefit equally from rent control. But it's one tool among many, including eviction protections that have to be considered when, for so many people, the available jobs don't pay for the rent. It's not as if anyone at the local, state, or national level has come up with ways of replacing the millions of middle-income jobs that were lost when manufacturing tanked and automation moved in. At City Hall on Tuesday, Rebecca Danielson said she worked as a manager at a construction company for about $14 an hour. She had been struggling to pay a $1,250 a month uh, rent for her studio apartment at Canoga Park, and she just got hit with a notice that in 60 days, the rent will be going up to $1,585. She came with her grandfather, Bob Linhalt, a Vietnam veteran who's recovering from cancer treatment and sleeping on the couch at Danielson's apartment. They also brought their friend, Glenn Tobe, a aerospace industry retiree who lives in a one-bedroom at the same complex and is looking at a $300 rent increase that will have him paying $1,600 a month. Something's out of whack, Danielson said. She's working, she's trying, and she's awakening each morning by noise from construction of a new apartment complex where, who knows, the rents may be even higher. We've been paying our rent on time and not causing any problems, Danielson said, and she's hoping to hold on. It doesn't seem right to put people on the streets right before the holidays. 
There, I agree. And you can thank the state for that. Anytime there's been regulations or taxes or anything of the sort of government involvement when it comes to the free enterprise, it's resulted in something negative. Oh, but Andres, come on, don't, don't, don't be that way. There's been there's been benefits of government getting involved whenever there's been price gouging. Yeah, I, I, I agree. The Industrial Revolution, same thing. When we had something that was something, you know, in a way new that no one's ever perceived and no one, no one realized how big it could get, the oil industry, for example, and then steel itself, this housing is not anything new. It's been that way since the dawn of time. And as Dennis Block says, that there is no such thing as rent gouging because people are not going to pay more than an apartment is actually worth. That is true because... If you don't rent it, someone else will. So if someone else will, whose fault is that? The landlord or someone that paid for it? It's like saying we should get rid of auctions because it's not fair that my lower bid got outbidded on. It happens all the time. If someone is paying for something at that value, that's the new value, folks. That's the way... It, anything works a barter system that's the that's any way that a bartering system works because there's a trade to Andres when there's nothing available yes when there's nothing available you, you heard the plight of, of some of these tenants on this article where there's new apartment complexes being built the apartment complexes are not solving the problem of housing affordability i mentioned that before it's land use I and mean, when we have antiquated zoning laws that are stopping construction from happening that's one of the problems rent control isn't the one that's that's limiting um construction of new housing housing in the terms of what you can buy it's limiting what you can use your property for and giving the power to the government to regulate how you use your property. That's why Prop 10 was shot down. It was shot down last year because it was overreaching into single-family homes and condos. The very unions that supported it walked it back when they saw the language of the laws. Like, holy smokes, this is going to affect me too. Screw this. And they uh, abandoned support of it. So even they realized that. But if you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. And that's what the people keep giving the government here. Control more of my life. When have we heard that we trust the government to do this? Like when Ronald Reagan said, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. The nine scariest words in the English language. See, when we have a government thing, it's like we don't want the government involved. And then when something doesn't go our way, the government should get involved. You can't have it both ways. They either are or they aren't. And it was a laissez-faire economy for a reason. And now that they're involved, look at how it's exacerbated the housing crisis. All you have to do is look back at wherever rent control has been installed, rent stabilization ordinances, and see the domino effect of how it's affected homelessness, how it's affected rental rates, how it's affected gentrification, how it's affected uh, the, con- the, the conditions of living, health and safety conditions, and how it's affected human rights since they were installed. All you got to do is look. My issue with this article has been that the tenants are the ones that get a face to suffering. Meanwhile, the landlords are reduced to a shadow organization that's looking to prey on the weaknesses and struggles of those lesser than them. When all you got to do is look at the landscape of who the true landlords are and realize that the majority of landlords here in California are not corporate. They're individuals that are working just as hard as some of these tenants have been and are being punished for what they've earned. So in essence, they're trying to create class warfare. I've seen class warfare. 
I've been to Taipei. That's where I believe when I see it. When you have people trying to live by selling a stick of gum for a fraction of a quarter that we have here in the United States, over there, in their mid-ages, hoping to be able to reach a point where they are able to get out of the slums. Meanwhile, you have these high-rises demanding 115 million U.S. dollars. U.S. dollars for those condos. In illusionary value, there is no advantage to those things there. I've seen it. What's going on over there is not going on over here. But the political agenda tries to make it seem like it is. And people are buying into it. And laws and regulations are being influenced by it. And being forced down everybody's throats. And we'll all suffer for it. That's why we have a, a migration issue here in California. People living, leaving the state to other places where they can afford better. And I don't just mean housing. I mean everything across the board. California needs to look into the mirror to find out where to bring the prices down. Regulations haven't helped and no one has ever taxed itself into prosperity. So the strategy's got to change. Right control is an imperfect answer. It's never the answer. It hasn't worked. Just like regulations that are excessive and taxes that just benefit the politicians and their lobbyists have never worked. All right, folks, that's it for this one. You can follow my web, follow my show, my website, com. You can see all the channels that my, ch- my show is available on. And, of course, check out my book. Uh, you'll find links to my book and my website as well. Um, the Andre Segovia Show, Transcripts of the Early Days, when I covered everything political. And remember to check out the show notes for the registration for the Mark 1 workshops. And I'll see you on the next one.